to the coronavirus. We're doing services out of our homes. But like I said before, this is discipleship night. Thank you again to my pastor, Pastor Blyther, his wife Ruth, uh, for allowing me to step behind the sacred desk. Amen. I want to go ahead and jump right into my sermon as our time is limited. Amen. Once again, my name is Brother Paul. And a little bit about myself. In my youth, I was a young man that was captured in lust. This was before Christ. I thought the mark of manhood was measured in how many women that you slept with. If you were lucky enough, you would have a son to carry on your name. When you would become old and pass on, the son would continue on where you left off. I understood money was needed to live a good life. However, I didn't think that it was necessary to live a comfortable life. After all, I, I grew up in a small town in Ohio called Youngstown. In this place, I was surrounded by happy people in poverty. These are people that are happy, still making ends meet. We made it work. I was told who Jesus was at a very early age. I even went to church on a regular. However, my whole family continued living the way they wanted to, Monday through Saturday. Drinking what they want, watching whatever they wanted. There was no form of godliness and no form of being set apart for Jesus. As I became a young man, 18, 19 years old, I knew who Jesus was. I even knew some scripture, but I didn't believe God would send me to hell for cursing. 80% of the world cursed, I thought. Would God really hold cussing against me? I mean, why would you do such a thing if the whole world is doing it? And vice versa. If the whole world is cussing, why would God send us to hell for such a thing? This is my mindset. I knew that Jesus would not keep me from entering heaven's gates for lying. Everybody lies, I thought. And half the people I lied to deserved it. I thought that they didn't deserve the truth. And what about committing adultery? I did not have a wife at the time. So I can't commit adultery, I thought. I can just sleep with whoever I want to. And it's not a sin. I had no idea fornication was a sin. And once I got married, Sure, I would be faithful to my wife. I would not cheat on her. Because after all, in my head, these are things that bad people do. And I never considered myself a bad person. I didn't want God to turn his back on me. But this Bible didn't say anything about my porn addiction. I know God knows about it, but I'm not cheating. This is my mindset. Foolish, dumb, 
It's foolish to think you can live however you want to live. And just because you believe in Jesus or because you think you're not a bad person, that you deserve to make heaven your home. That's foolish. And you'll miss it if you think that you have this mindset. You have to be set apart. You have to. If I could see what you do and hear what you say during a 24-hour period, would I say this is a reflection of God or would I question your Christianity? Maybe you don't know if your lifestyle is, is set apart for God or not. To you, I ask this question. Is your life comfortable? Do you like to sleep? If the answer to that question is yes, when is the last time you woke up an hour early to talk to God? To dive into the scriptures and put him first? Are you not a people's person? Do you hate people? For you, I would ask, when is the last time you intentionally went looking for a new friend to make to tell them about Jesus? When is the last time you've done that? Have you ever done that? A brother of mine in, in the faith, he describes living for God as like this. Imagine standing on the edge of the highest mountain and God says to you, step. But there ain't no step there. God says, step. And you're like, God, there is no step here. God says, step. It doesn't make sense. It can't be explained. If I had a dollar for every argument I had about certain decisions I've made that were God's orders, I would probably have about $30 in my pocket right now. And every argument started and ended the same way. It started with someone's logic, which made a whole lot of worldly sense, mind you, and ended with me explaining absolutely nothing. I'm just basically saying, cool story, I'm still going to make this step. I can't explain this. What do you want from me? If I could explain it, it wouldn't be called faith. Our main text will be Genesis chapter 17. Genesis 17. I'm going to be diving into a lot of scripture. Genesis 17, starting from verse 1 through verse 7. And then we're going to skip down to 15 and 15 through 19. Turn with me there. I'm going to, I'm going to um, read our main text in just a second. I'll give you a chance to find your grandpa's Bible. I think it's in the car. Amen. I want to place you, the listener, whoever you are, in a scenario. Imagine with me, you are very hungry. You choose McDonald's to go to. You drive to McDonald's and you order you one McDouble, one medium fry, and an Oreo McFlurry. Amen. Milk machine is running. 
You pay $8.79 of your hard-earned money for this food. You're driving home with a purpose in mind for your food. You get home, you lay your food out on the table. You sit down and prepare to eat your food. And your McDouble speaks and says, I will not be eaten by you. It hops off the table and it runs away. Now, beside being very freaked out, I'm sure you would be disappointed. You bought this food at a price for a purpose, mind you. And instead of you being a master over your food, your food tells you what it's, what it's going to do with its own life that you pay for. That's ridiculous, I know. But how is that different from us every single day? Genesis 17, starting at verse 1. Genesis 17, verse 1. And it reads, When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him. <coughs> Excuse me. And Abraham said to him, I am Almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you. And I will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you, and I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations. For an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. Let's jump down to verse 15. Verse 15 reads, Then God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. And I will bless her and also give you a son by her. Then I will bless her and, sh and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed. And in his heart, he said, Shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? And shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. Then God said, No, Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his descendants after him. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you, Lord Heavenly Father, for this time. I pray, Lord God, that you will speak through me, Lord God, and touch your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So here is Abraham, and he has just received a promise from God. The promise is that God will make his, him and his wife exceedingly fruitful. And God will make their children a nation. Abraham claims his blessing, no doubt. 
But there is just one problem. Abraham is 99 years old at this time. And Sarah is 90 years old. And they have no children between each other. They don't have any children together. It don't make sense. Why would God do this? What type of father would promise his child something that's out of his grasp? One of the ways I began to set myself apart for God was through understanding. I told you that I grew up knowing who Jesus was, but we lived the way that we wanted Monday through Saturday. Not how he wanted since he bought us at a price. Follow me. I knew him, but I did not understand him. Now, I want to be clear. God is not a man, and his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And we can't possibly comprehend what he is completely. That's not what I mean. But we can understand his character. We can understand his love to some degree. And I believe in our main text, God's plan was to get you to understand him just a little bit. For if you understand him, just maybe, you'll start making some hard decisions in your life to set yourself apart for God. Genesis 18 and 1, Then the Lord appeared to him by the terebinth tree of Mamre, and he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. So he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing by him. These three men are God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the ground. Let's skip down to verse 9. Then they said to him, Where is Sarah your wife? So he said, Here in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I have grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Surely bear a child, since shall I bear a child since I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. So here's God telling us to step again. It don't make sense. How? The Bible clearly states that Abraham and Sarah are beyond childbearing years. Yet God says, you're about to have a son. What is God doing here? If it's within his power to give such a son to make them exceedingly fruitful, shouldn't he just do it already? Honest question. Why is he teasing this elderly couple? Do we worship a cruel God? Of course not. Let's read on. Genesis 21, And the Lord visited Sarah as he said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken, for Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age. 
Why? Why did God do this? Abraham ain't complaining. I'm sure he finally is happy that he got himself a son. But why not? To give him one son after a hundred years, after he's a hundred years old. Is this some sort of joke? Just what is God doing here? These are honest questions that came about when you honestly don't understand. But maybe God did this to relate with you. There is no love like having a child that you pray for, and every parent should say amen when I say that. So here is God. God has just blessed Abraham with a son. And as we dive into the scriptures, we know the story. But in chapter 22, it reads, Now it came to pass, after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I should tell you. Verse 7. But Isaac spoke to Abraham his father and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place of which God had told them. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand, took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son your only son from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes, looked, and there behold, him was a ram caught in the thicket. Is God playing games with your inheritance, Abraham? Killing your child at his whim? No, Abraham. That's not what this is about. This is about understanding. This is about you understanding just a fraction of what I will feel when I let my own son meet death for people who claim to know me but will not live for me. May I have every head bowed. Message tonight was on salvation and I won't hold it out long but if you're underneath the sound of my voice it does not have to be this way. You don't have to be the type that will not live for him. It starts here with a prayer, a simple prayer that says, God, I am wrong. I've messed up. I've sinned. And I believe in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross for me. And I'm willing to take the gift of salvation. If you are ready to do that, repeat after me. Father God, I realize that I have sinned and I believe that Jesus died 
on the cross and rose again on the third day. Now, Father, come into my life and touch me and help me live from you for you this day forward. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. Coffee for your head and get you up and going out of bed.